hopefully you'll be awake after hearing the story, but uh, we had a conference, and this was back up in the Northwest, uh, up in DuPont, Washington, and I met a pastor. He'd come back from the mission field and was going to take over the church that he grew up in, in central Washington, and uh, it was kind of neat to see where he was in Fiji and and the fact that now he feels called back to his home church uh, to take over. And, uh, and uh, I, I found out that the church was close by where we were going to be in a couple weeks. So I told him, hey, we love to come by there. We don't have a meeting on this Wednesday night and just be a part of the church and, you know, be a fellowship and whatnot. And so uh, I texted him that week that I knew that we were probably going to be at the church. I said, hey, we're going to be there Wednesday night. And so we show up. And uh, it's a community center. Uh, nobody's there. And I'm saying, well, this is the address. Of, it's on his, he, has a, he had a little card with the address. And then I go online, and the church address was different. So I said, well, we'll, go to, we'll, we'll plug this into the phone. So we did that, and 10 minutes later, we're down at the, uh, what we think is the other church. And in the parking lot, there's uh, a bunch of SUVs and trucks. And so I said, well... This looks more like a, uh, a place where they sell uh, trucks and SUVs. But the parking lot was full. I said, this is great. This is a Wednesday night. There's probably 200 people there. This will be neat. And this will be great. And uh, so I leave the family in the car. And I go in. And there's like a table. And as I walk in, there's a guy sitting at the table. And he is uh, uh, doing something. He has a piece of paper, like checking off something. And then over here is... Uh, a bunch of chairs, and people are sitting in the chairs, but it's all men. And uh, some have ball caps on, some have camouflage on, and, and uh, then he whispers to me, it's a still union meeting. And so, uh, so, so I look, and some of the guys look at me, and I'm kind of like waving, and then I get out the door. And uh, apparently the, the pastor had, uh, they meet there, but there was an emergency meeting with that union company where they had to, to set aside time and and meet that Wednesday night, and the church was actually going to meet Thursday night. So, uh, so anyway, so we were able to get to another church. That to that church actually, uh, we knew the pastor. We didn't really know him, but we knew of him, and so it kind of worked out. You know, still worked out, but uh, you know, it's crazy things happen on the road. Uh, I think it was in Washington. We were at another meeting. We stayed at a hotel, and there was a mouse in our room, and uh, so you know, just things happen. So you know, when you're on the road, you get you start to, to, to get these little stories. But uh, anyways, with all that said, uh, everybody's doing well, like I said, and we're thankful, we're thankful for what you do and praying for us. And, you know, I'm going to be talking about that tonight. And, uh, and, uh, but before I do that, uh, you can go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 12, by the way. Acts chapter 12 is where we're going to be tonight. And I got other stories probably, but... You know, there's, there's not enough time. We've got the fellowship and all that you know, going on. And I have to stare at the, what food there is back there. So, you know, I don't want to get too hungry. So, uh, but, uh, hold on. Uh, you know, there's some things that, that, I, that are very important with a matter of prayer. Uh, but before uh, I talk about Acts chapter 12, there are some passages. You don't have to turn to these passages, but uh, uh, Gideon in Judges 6.39, and it says, And Gideon said unto God, let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the, with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And verse 40, it says, And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, 
and there was dew on all the ground. Now, 1 Samuel 1.27, talking about Hannah, it says, For this child I, I prayed, and the Lord had given me my petition, which I asked of him. Uh, you go on, there's others, Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 7, 9, and 10, it says, And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt uh, offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. And then there's another one, Solomon. 1 Kings uh, chapter 9, it says, And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and the supplication that thou hast made before me. I have a hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetual. And then, of course, you know Elijah in First uh, Kings 18 and verses 37 and 38. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Uh, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice in the, in the wood and the stones of the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. You see, all these uh, here in the Old Testament, all these that have in common is the fact that uh, Gideon, Hannah, Samuel, uh, Solomon, Elijah, they all saw the value in prayer. They all realized as prayers were answered uh, that there is value in prayer. And the fact here in uh, Acts chapter 14, Acts, Acts chapter 12, I'm sorry. We're going to find also another guy named uh, Peter. You know all about Peter and all, the, all his life, all the things that he went through. And the fact that uh, Peter, he found value in prayer. And you'll find this here in Acts chapter 12 and the situation he was in. And by the way, it's funny to think about Peter because if you remember Peter, uh, as he denied the Lord. And yet in this, uh, he, he probably... Uh, was thinking, I'm going to be in the same situation that Jesus is in. Oh, he's in this situation. He's, he's, uh, he's before the court, and there he is. I'm scared to tell them that I'm actually a part of his disciples. And here he's saying, I, I don't care. Uh, and he gets in a situation where he, he himself is going to be persecuted. We'll see here. But in verse 5, it says here in chapter 12 of Acts, Peter therefore was kept in prison. Now here's the key right here. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Uh, dear God, I want to thank you for Spring Battle Baptist Church. I want to thank you for uh, their, their willingness to pray uh, all the time. And I pray that this would just be an encouragement to just continue to pray. Oh, I pray that, uh, that it would also be the same with me. I pray that uh, you're magnified tonight and I pray you'd help me. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what you'll see in this passage here, you'll see a couple uh, points here if you're taking notes. Uh, but first, we're going to find the setting here in verses 1 through 4. The setting in verses 1 through 4. Then after that, in verses 5 through 12, we're going to see the side effects of prayer. The side effects of prayer. And then if you move on, we're going to see the sweet answers to prayer. And lastly, we're going to see the supporting churches and their prayers. And what I mean by the supporting churches is the fact that we have supporting churches that are praying for us. And I'm thankful for Spring Meadow for praying for us. Uh, but let's go back and let's look at the very beginning of this, and let's look at the setting in verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read verses 1. It says, Now about the time that Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword, and because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread, 
And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quarantines of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. You see, first here we see in the setting, uh, we see the fact that the church, that believers uh, have been oppressed. The believers have been oppressed. The church has been oppressed. Obviously, in verse 1, it says he vexed certain of the church, talking about King Herod, and, and it gets very descriptive as we move on. In verses 2, uh, it says, did it say he made fun of James? He made fun of James, and he gave him a ticket. He says, you can't come into this place anymore, and, or you're not invited here. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Is that what happened to James? Uh, no, it says here that James, what happened? He was killed. And that is uh, pretty graphic there. Killed uh, James, uh, the brother of John, with the sword. And so we see here specifically uh, how certain people in the church have been oppressed and James was killed. But secondly, we see specifically that the fact that Peter, he also is being oppressed. And you look into how he's been persecuted in verse uh, 4. What does it say? He was put into prison, right? And you think about how Pastor mentioned this morning the fact that uh, it's still a reality that people are being put in prison uh, that are missionaries or that are trying to plant churches. And I just read this week a guy who uh, is being put in prison in China uh, because he you know, has a church and uh, they won't let him out. They had tried to get him out and, and uh, there's a Christian so-called lawyer that uh, is trying to work on his effort to try to get him out and uh, and whatnot. But we saw that in Turkey about a couple years ago, a pastor who'd been there for 20 years. You know, everything was fine. But the problem is, is people don't have the Lord uh, and whatnot. Th their, their hearts uh, sway from one side to the other. And so does the country. And so the country can go one way uh, when it was another way, just like we are here in the United States. And you just never know what's going to happen. So now Turkey has turned more against Christianity. And this guy went in prison. Uh, he was persecuted. But what happened to him? Well, people were praying for him. He got out of prison. Uh, he's back in the United States. So we can pray for, for, for uh, this guy in China. You can pray for missionaries that are in these situations. They can't get out of themselves. And, uh, you know, here we find Peter. He's in the hot pursuit by King Herod, and, and uh, King Herod, he puts him into prison, and he's in a situation that uh, he himself can't be delivered of. It says, when he had apprehended him, in verse 4, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quarantines of soldiers, which I believe I, I hear is like 16, uh, 16, you get out of 16 16 soldiers, uh, to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now, you think Peter probably knew about what happened to James, so he probably knew that oh, it wasn't going to end. It may not end well with him, right? And and so here we have uh, Peter, and we knew what happened to James, and it just so this gives you a a, a direct specific uh, showing of how Christians have been uh, persecuted here, James and Peter. But not only do we see here in the setting how believers are being oppressed, we also see that there is a motivation to persecute. There is a motivation to persecute. Look with me in verses three. It says, and because he saw it pleased the Jews. So King Herod, he kills James, and, and the, the Jews are, are, are pleased with that. And because of that, uh, because of that, it says, he proceeded further to take Peter. Well, I'm going to do the same thing to Peter because uh, I want to make sure, once again, motivation to persecute one thing is the pleasing men instead of God. And so King Herod, he wanted his reputation before men to be great. Before the Jews, he says, I want... I want to keep this up. And so I'm going to do the same thing to Peter. And so he had a motivation to, to get Peter. 
And uh, he had a motivation to get any believers that were like Peter and get them in prison and uh, end up killing them. And so that was his motivation to persecute. But not only that, the fact is that uh, the main reason somebody will persecute a believer, I believe, is because of hate, right? You think about Jesus. Do you think the Pharisees and some of the scribes and all those uh, were liking Jesus a lot of the time? We hear many times where they despised him. They were trying to, to get him to say something, to, 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 to ensnare him with words that would be in, uh, to indict him, to get him uh, put in prison because they wanted to get rid of him. They didn't like that people were starting to follow him, and, and uh, they didn't like that. They, they didn't like him. And Man, I tell you what, that is a main reason why people uh, are persecuted or put to death or are put in prison because they hate believers, right? And it's sad to see how families uh, that are, uh, you know, whatever religion or from whatever country that will uh, hate their family and are willing to take another family member's life because they, they, get, they get saved. They trust Christ as their Savior. And, uh, and they, they just don't. They, and it's funny because they, they say they love that person before that happens. And then after they get saved, it's like now they hate them. And, of course, God, God in His Word says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's not willing that any should perish. And, and so God knows that people's hearts before they are saved are typically against Him, and yet He's willing and waiting for them to turn to Him, just like Paul was, right? How many times did Paul persecute? And then Paul turned around and got saved, and now he was going to try to tell people even those that actually persecuted him about how they can uh, trust Christ as their Savior. And so you see here in the, the setting uh, what here, the fact that believers are being oppressed and the motivation for why they are being oppressed. But moving on, let's look at uh, verses 5 through 12. You're going to see the side effects of prayer. The side effects of prayer. I don't know about you, but have you ever had a medication where uh, they have side effects to the medication? And I don't know if you've ever seen infomercials, and they say, if you take this, you could die. Uh, uh, you could have to be rushed to the hospital. And I'm like, do I really want to take that medication, right? And uh, when I had my foot injury, you know, where I uh, ruptured my Achilles tendon, uh, I, I, uh, after the surgery, I was doing well. And I said, this is great, you know, and, uh, because I had uh, the medication that was taking care of my pain. <laughs> uh, but later on... I wasn't doing well because I didn't take the, the medication that was prescribed and it was uh, too late to go back to the, the uh, place to go get the medication until the following morning. So I suffered through the night with anguish. And, uh, but as I took that medication the next day, uh, I could not operate or, or walk too well because of the side effects. A lot of times it's, you're dizzy and, and all that, right? So a lot of times the side effects to medication isn't good, right? But when it comes to prayer, there are great things that happen that are good. Bad things when you have to take it from medicine, but when it comes to prayer, there are good things that happen. Good things, side effects that come in because you're praying to God and you know God is at work. So let's look at this in verses 5. As I read earlier, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing in the church unto God for him. But first, let's see that the fact that believers, they were concerned for Peter. Do you think that they would be praying like they did if they were not concerned for him? They were concerned for him. They were praying, and it was a continual praying. It was praying without ceasing is what it says. And it was, a, it was also not only a continual praying, it was a united prayer. 
In other words, it says uh, prayer was made without ceasing of the what? Uh, of the two people that were there, or the one person. No, it said of the church. And that is to get the picture that uh, people were together. Uh, many people were together united in prayer, and they were continually praying. And so you see that, that believers, they were concerned for Peter. But verses 6 through Peter's deliverance. Peter's deliverance. It says in verse 6, And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door uh, kept the prison. Now, if I'm Peter, and I know what happened to James, I don't know that I could sleep too well. I don't know about you. You think you could sleep too well after hearing what happened to, to James? I would uh, probably have too, many, too much anxiety, right? You've ever had anxiety and you can't sleep? Yet, uh, Peter, I don't know, uh, maybe they gave him medication to put him to sleep. <laughs> uh, but uh, the fact is that uh, here's Peter, and he's between these soldiers, and there's no way he can get out, right? It's humanly, humanly impossible. Now, you know, maybe if Samson was around, he could have helped him out, but, uh, you know, Samson was long gone off the scene. But the fact is, for him, it was humanly impossible. I mean, he was between two soldiers, and uh, there, he was bound into chains. And I don't know about you, nobody can get out of that situation. He was in a situation that could, he could not get out of himself. But if moving on in verses 7, we see how it's possible with God, right? We saw that it was impossible with him. Uh, to get out, but it's possible with God through prayer. And if you look in verses 7, it says, Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. Now this would be exciting, right? And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind up thy sandals. And so he did, and he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And follow me. Just as a side note, you know, God tells us that we need to follow him, you know, and, you know, we can follow the ways of the world or we can follow him. And in this situation, obviously, uh, the, the angel of the Lord said, follow me. And in verse uh, nine, it says, and he went out and followed him. And it was not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought it, he saw a vision. So Peter, he's he thought, man, I thought, you know, I was sleeping well. Am I, am I still sleeping well right now? Is this just a dream? Have you ever had those moments where you wake up and say, you don't know what day it is, or you wake up and you're relieved because you had a nightmare, or you're upset because you won something in the dream and you really don't have it. You're like, is this real? Am I really awake? I really want this. And so here Peter is, he's kind of confused, right? Peter is confused and he's not for sure what exactly if this is really happening. And so in, in verses 10, it says, When they were past the first and second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth to the city, which opened to his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And so we have here uh, Peter, the angel departed from him. And in verse 12, it says, And when he had considered the thing, he came to the, I'm sorry, verse 11. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. So it's at this point he realized that he really wasn't asleep, right? And so we see here Peter's deliverance. And so we see how great the side effects of prayer are. But moving on, we're going to see the sweet answers to prayer. The sweet answers to prayer. First off, we see answers have been realized. Answers are realized first by Peter. Peter realizes, right? 
in verse 11 that says, and when Peter was come to himself, he realizes that God uh, had done a work and that people have been praying for him, that his prayers have been answered. And so Peter realizes that. And so what happens? He moves on. And he wants to go tell people, right? In verse 12, it says, and when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, uh, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were uh, gathered together praying. And as uh, Peter knocked, he was knocking on the door, probably pretty, pretty uh, loudly, at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. So now we have Rhoda, and Rhoda, what happened here in verse 14? And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the, gla- the gate for gladness. So Peter's like, man, I, I'm getting st- stood up here by Rhoda. She's not answering the door, and because it says she, but she ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. She was so excited, she forgot about Peter. You ever been excited about something and you you forget something? I don't know where it could be at the store. You forget your, your family member because you're so excited about something happening. And, uh, here, Rhoda, he, she forgets that Peter's there. You know, I don't know if it was wintertime or summertime, you know, but uh, the fact is that Peter's just standing there. And are you going to open the door? And, and uh, so here we find not only that Peter, that we see that Peter realized the answer to prayer, but we see that others, like Rhoda, sees uh, the answers to prayer. They also realize the answer to prayer. And so uh, here it is, and he's uh, going to tell the people that Peter's at the door. And uh, and then it says here in verses uh, 15, and I'm sorry, in verses 14, when she knew Peter's voice, she opened out the door, right? Uh, but she went to go tell them. And in verse 15, and they said unto her, Thou art mad, but she constantly affirmed that it, even, it was even so. But then said they, it is his angel. And so they didn't believe her. They didn't believe her. They were kind of like Peter, how he wasn't for sure that he was having that dream. They thought that she was just going mad. And have you ever told somebody a dream, uh, I'm sorry, a, a prayer that had been answered? And like, are you telling, are you really serious? This, and so here they are. They also are like, no, this can't be true. But in verses 7, uh, verses 16, here we go. Peter's getting kind of impatient probably at this point because Rhoda's just back there telling people. But in verse 16, but Peter continued knocking, and when they had uh, opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And so they're like, wait a minute, that wasn't the guy. I'm sorry, Rhoda. I'm sorry I called you a mad person. And uh, man, we're the ones that we should have believed this is happening. And then uh, verses 17, but he, he beckoning unto them with a hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. And so here Peter, after he had realized the prayer, he went to go tell Rhoda. And then Rhoda realized, right? Uh, then Rhoda went to go tell them, and, and they didn't believe. Uh, but when uh, he knocked again and they opened the door and they saw him, uh, they also realized the answer to prayer. And not only that, do we see that the answers have been realized? That, but also, you see that faith is strengthened here. Do you think that Peter? Do you think his faith was strengthened? I believe so. I mean, it says in verse eleven, and when Peter had come to himself, he said, "Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent an angel and had delivered me out of the hand of Herod." Do you think at that moment, after he realized that, and that the answer of prayer that his faith had grown? I believe so. Not only that, I believe that Rhoda, her faith had grown. And then lastly, we see that the church who failed to believe, they finally realized when he came and testified before them and said, hey, here's, you know, I don't have to give you a prayer letter. I'm here. I'm, I'm giving you right live right here in front of you that 
God has answered your prayers, and I'm here to tell, give you proof. And so their faith, their faith grew also. And so we see here, like I said, we saw the setting. Uh, we saw the side effects of prayer and the sweet answers to prayer. But lastly, the supporting churches and their prayers. The supporting churches and their prayers. I want to mention, I want to be thankful once again for you guys and for other churches, uh, how you do pray for us. Continue to pray for us as, as a church. Pray for us. Pray for other missionaries. And I'm glad and I've always been excited to hear uh, missionary letters that we read on Wednesday night and and how we can come together and be united and pray for those. And then we get to hear another prayer letter down the road and how God has answered those prayers uh, for those missionaries. And so I'm so thankful for that. And so first off, as a supporting church and praying for us, uh, uh, number one, just be just like it's mentioned here. How often should we pray? How often should a church pray for not only a missionary's needs, but also the needs in your church, right? Uh, there's things that probably you've been in situations, uh, you know, sometimes we may be in situations we can't get out of as missionaries, but you too. Uh, you may have a, a sickness that, you know, it's out of your hands, right? And so you just need continual praying, just like they prayed here. Uh, people that need to be concerned for you, praying for you, and uh, you'll see how God works. And then come back and testify, just like Peter did, how God has worked. And sometimes we don't expect it, right? Sometimes the fact is, is we're like, well, I don't know. And I'll be honest, that happened with us. We I mean, we're praying when we had a van situation. We had to get the other van and then we got the other van. We were just praying that uh, we would get this all straightened out and get the, the van paid off by the end of the year of this year. And then weeks later, we go to a, a church and they help us and we almost get the amount of money to pay off the van. And of course, you guys didn't even know anything about that until the week later. And you guys helped us out and were able to pay off our van uh, quicker than we thought, than we expected. And so kind of like Peter, it was kind of unexpected for us. Uh, and it shouldn't be that way. We should expect, but a lot of times we, 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 we're not like that. And we see God work beyond what we expect. And I love those moments. And, and Peter, he had one of those moments, right, where he, uh, he got out of prison and he, he, he thought that he was having this dream. But the fact is, continue to pray for us. But not only that, uh, like I said, God worked in Peter's life. He's going to work in our lives and our faith will be strengthened. Uh, as a family uh, on the road, our faith is see God at work. Uh, but your faith is strengthened. And as you tell people how God is working and, and uh, as God is answering prayers, uh, you're going to find that not only is your faith strengthened, you're going to strengthen other people's faith. And so that's very important. Uh, you know, it, it says here in a couple things, you know, going back to this morning, uh, pastor was in Colossians 4, which I thought was quite interesting because at the very beginning, uh, you don't have to turn there. It says uh, in verse 2 of chapter 4 in Colossians, continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And, you know, that's one of our prayers just as missionaries, but that should be uh, our prayers. We go out and tell people about Christ. Right. And, uh, and it starts with people praying. Uh, we were in a missions conference at the previous uh, church when we were up in Washington State, and uh, there was a, a missionary testifying that before he got saved, he worked. Uh, he was an uh, engineer, very analytical guy. And, uh, he was an atheist, and he was working with another guy in the same compartment, same area. And this guy was a Christian guy, and, 
at lunchtime, he would open up his Bible, the Christian guy, and uh, he would read some passages and pray and whatnot. And some, at a certain point, this, this guy would come by and creep by and, and start trying to make fun of him and do all these different, these different things. Well, as time went on, uh, this guy that was saved said, well, why don't you read this passage in the Bible? And then he kept on going, why don't you read this passage? And finally, the guy went to the church, and this was like two months later, he ended up getting saved. But after hearing the fact that he got saved, uh, I found out that that church was praying for him, continually, continually praying for him. You know, sometimes uh, we know that things don't happen all of a sudden, you know, right? And, uh, and so you just continue to pray for the loss, because a lot of times we get discouraged and we don't see things happening. And sometimes that can affect us uh, to pray, continue to pray, right? And so uh, this man, he got saved and now he's a missionary. Uh, and he used to be an, an atheist. And, you know, see, God can work. Uh, think about Paul. He used to be one persecuting believers. What happened to him? He got saved, right? And, uh, you know, so, you know, Paul saw the value in prayer, as, we, as, as in Colossians, as I just read. Uh, Christ, uh, he many times talked about prayer and the value of prayer and the importance of it. And you could spend, you could spend weeks, months, years on just talking about prayer. And so there's not enough time for that. But we do know in Matthew 18, 20, it says, For where two or three are together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And so you know that as we pray, whether it's on Sunday morning and our Sunday evening or Wednesday night, that uh, as we're coming together, two to three, uh, that uh, God is there in the midst and he's, uh, he, he is working in our prayers. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for uh, other passages. You think about Philippians 4, 6, right? Uh, probably know. Uh, I should know it by heart, right? But uh, Philippians 4, 6, Philippians 4, 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And so Paul, once again, he saw the value in prayer. Uh, Jesus saw the value in prayer. And, of course, we saw in the beginning how uh, the, uh, uh, the believers, uh, those in the Old Testament, and how they saw the value in prayers, God answered those prayers. And so I ask you in closing tonight, if you want to call it a challenge or not, uh, to pray for us for a number of things that are going on right now as we're on deputation. Obviously, the house would sell. Uh, that is one of those prayer requests. Um, I, I didn't mention, uh, but I wanted to mention it now uh, as a kind of a praise, if you want to call it. I wanted to save that time and to tell you now instead of the, the praise time we just had. But it's a praise and a prayer request, uh, and it's kind of a, a crazy, another kind of crazy story. But as I was, uh, and I told some already in the prayer meeting that we just had a minute ago uh, before service. Uh, but as I was leaving California and getting on the plane, uh, you know how you, if you're, if you ever thrown, flown Southwest before, and you kind of stand up and you got your number and you kind of line up, and so I was, I was lining up and I saw this guy like just quickly walking down. Uh, in between uh, the, the the gates and where you walk the walkway, like he was going to miss his flight or something. And then I looked at him, and he looked like uh, somebody I knew from high school. And so I thought that was interesting, but then as I got on, I saw him again, and I called out his name, and it was the guy I knew from high school. Now, what are the chances of that happening? I don't know. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence. But uh, anyways, I got to talk to him and sit with him, tell him what we're doing, and uh, you know, I give him a track and kind of briefly talk to him about the Lord. And uh, he's a guy that I believe is not saved. Uh, 
a lot of those people I knew from high school, I wasn't saved at, at the time, but they are, uh, a lot of them are, 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 are atheist or agnostic. And so he's, uh, he's, he's definitely uh, probably in, in that scenario, but I gave him that and, and I left him with the fact that, you know, it wasn't by accident that we were here, you know, and uh, that this isn't a coincidence. And, and uh, so I'm praying that uh, Clay, his name's Clay, you can pray for Clay, that Clay would get saved. Uh, and uh, he also lives in Spring Hill, by the way. So it's just kind of crazy how that all happened and what are the chances. But God knew it was going to happen. I could have I flown out a day before or a day later. And I chose Friday to fly, fly out. And uh, also, as we were getting on our, our, our connection flight in Oakland, uh, my, my number was B3. His was B4. So I, you know, I don't know. But, uh, uh, but anyways, pray for Clay. Uh, pray for the flight that I take off on a Saturday. Uh, Pray that that'll go well. Maybe I'll see somebody I know again. I don't know. Uh, the chances would actually be greater because I'm flying out of Nashville. But uh, And then pray for our support to go up. We're at 51%. Uh, and once again, that's an answer to prayer. Uh, because as we uh, were in the March time frame, we were praying for 40% by June. And uh, we reached that and went above that in June. And, and uh, you know, that's because people are praying for us. You guys are praying for us. Others are praying for us. But not only just... Just here and there, you guys are continuing to pray for us. Once again, you see the value in prayer. And then also the fact that uh, we may, uh, or as we're selling our house, we're trying to decide maybe about getting a, uh, a used RV because we need more stability with the kids. Uh, and then having to go from one place to the next and that they have their own place as they're doing school. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough as we realize, you know, if you're on deputation with two people, it, you can be very flexible, you know, not too bad, but when you're with a family, uh, it's a little more challenging. So uh, so pray for that and just the wisdom behind that. Um, and then also pray for uh, the family that we'll be working with when we get to Ecuador, the Pases. Uh, you know, they have had to answer to prayer because they now have a place to live in the city there that they're living. Uh, they planted the church. Uh, they've got about 10, 15 members, or, or that I'm not sure if they're necessarily members, but that are coming to the church right now. And uh, so pray for them, pray for us. Once again, it says here, if you're still in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, I'm going to leave this with you and then have the pastor come up. Uh, chapter 12 of Acts, verses 5, think on this. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Pastor.